0: Hello and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast: Perspectives on Aviation Lives, Lifestyles, and Business. Hello, uh, Wild Blue Podcast listeners. Todd Mitten here, along with Chris Kirk. How are you today, Chris? Good, Todd. Fun to do this. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I know it's uh, it's winter time in Kansas City, and and that got me to thinking a little bit about winter operations in general aviation airplanes. And and maybe I can learn some stuff by talking to you and uh, we can get some ideas on uh, and thoughts on the challenges and, and so on that winter operations bring to general aviation airplanes. You want to talk about that today?
1: Yeah, sure. And I think uh, just as a matter of perspective so that the listeners understand where we're coming from with this, uh, I'm not trying to say this to, to impress anybody, but uh, Todd and I have extensive background in military operations and airline operations and in general aviation operations. So we look at things probably a little bit different than uh, somebody who is especially fairly new to general aviation. And I, I think uh, the one thing on winter ops, Todd, that that uh, I would like to lead off with is I don't think a lot of folks give it enough credence yeah yeah they don't pay enough attention to
0: it would you agree with that yeah i would i think th- there's a lot of aspects uh uh to think about that we can touch on today uh everything from the basics of, of having your airplane ready to go ideas for preheating and so on to, to taxiing to flying to uh, uh weather aspects there's a lot a lot of uh thoughts the, or, or challenges, I would say, that are unique to winter time operations from from the Midwest to the Northeast and northern states. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some of our listeners may be in the in the South, but that doesn't mean they won't one day fly their airplane uh, in winter time. Why well, I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, uh, no, they may fly their airplane into uh, winter time conditions up north. So yeah, that that's why I think it might be a topic of interest that uh we can learn a few things from
1: i think uh, for some folks and, and you and i see this a lot when we when we're talking to a prospective buyer that just because they have the money to buy an airplane that has a certain capability so in this case maybe maybe it's de-iced maybe it's a known ice airplane true uh they think that it's uh okay no problem i can just i can just press on with that well you know like you were saying, even if you are in the South, well, let's say you're doing business in the Great Lakes region in the fall uh, and wintertime, and man, you know, you talk about how quickly an airplane can ice up somewhere. I mean, it's bad enough here, but those areas are, are just absolutely incredible.
0: And, well, that's a great point in the sense that uh, it doesn't have to be January to have problems. You know, it may, right. be, it may be early October or, or late September or, or well into the spring, April and yeah. The first of May Heck, I think and,
1: I've seen ice on an airplane just about every month of the year. You yeah, probably have too. yeah, it's a fact
0: uh, But so what do you think we kind of start chronologically in the sense of a flight? Uh, uh, getting ready for a flight. What are some of the preheating thoughts that you have and, and aspects that we might consider? well I
1: think an engine heater is a good a good thing Um and uh, you know, probably some guys do what I do, and that is I use a different grade of um, a different grade of oil right. in the winter than I do in the summer. I use a uh, multi-viscosity oil in the winter time, so it doesn't you know kind of glob all up. Right. But um, you know, I guess p- kind of putting a plug in for somebody. You know, I just I, I bought back in I must have been November uh, a unit called the Switchy On. And uh, because of COVID and, and things are be way beyond their control, uh, the unit hasn't been delivered yet. But we have a customer who has one right over here in his hangar. So I was over there playing around with his. And so it's a, you know, it's, it's a box. I, I just bought the two channel box, but it, you, you plug it in and uh, you run a cord from it to whatever in your hangar wherever. It doesn't even have to be an airplane related, but I'm going to run a cord from, from it to my engine heater. And then it's just an app on the phone. So I can, you know, instead of having that, that heater on constantly or, or right. making a 30-minute trek to the airport, I just hit my app and, you know, or I could set the timer on it. So, you know, I want my engine to start heating up four or five hours before I go out there.
0: But What, uh, what temperature would you use as sort of a threshold, so to speak, uh, for, uh, for you, when to bother with it? You know, I, I'm thinking... And I got nothing to
1: back this up. I'm thinking in the 30s. Somewhere. Yeah, I, I
0: would agree. I, I don't think above above 40 and above, uh, there's no need to preheat anything. And and even in the mid 30s, eh, maybe most I think most uh, manufacturers will recommend uh, the uh, 20 degrees sticks in my head Fahrenheit, which is a little cold for most of us, honestly, to go out and start our engines. I think if you mm-hmm. have a way to heat it, you would do it. It if it were a 28 or 33 degree day, you probably would, but uh, that I know it's recommended. I think on my
1: Tanis heater, I'd have to get in the book, but I think that there's a threshold on it where even if I plug it in, it's not going to turn yeah. on unless it is. <coughs> excuse me, unless it is at
0: you know such and such a temperature. Another another thought on heating is a lot of guys do this: uh, take a small uh, space heater and put it in the cockpit and and warm up. So then you get not only a warm. Cockpit, but you get uh, the your, your radios. Probably it's probably better for them, you know, than yeah. extreme cold.
1: I know guys that do that remotely too. I, that scares the crap yeah, out of me, frankly. I can, I but agree I, with I, you. I think I would do it if I was, you know, I knew I was going to be in the hangar for a little while ahead of time. But you know, I just have visions of not only burning my airplane down, but the <laughs> ten that are in that hangar complex <laughs> with me. That's the bad. Thing. <laughs> I might feel a little bad about that if I were
0: that responsible for oh, that. Oh man! And then uh, so. What else? We, we, we pull the airplane out. Obviously, there's thoughts, you know, and this this is a, you might be able to pull your airplane out. Maybe you have like I used to have a Cherokee 180 and and I could pull that airplane out. Of course, no problem by hand without a, a uh, mm-hmm. an assistance. But in in wintertime, you know, if there's ice and snow on the ground, uh, it can be a challenge either. To pull it out or push it depending on the slope of the right, usually it's pushing it back, yep. in. most there's a little bit of a downhill slope. But you know, you're probably going to need help, uh, maybe a consideration if you're flying in the winter and you and you land and and uh, you can't put your airplane
1: away without help, so. yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And then in you know, on top of that, you, you think about uh, the um. Uh, the snow and the ice on the ramp. And so now it's, you know, I've been to places where it's been darn near impossible to even do a run up. Yeah. Because you can't get enough footing, uh, you know, to hold the airplane steady. That's true.
0: And, and I thought you were going to go toward the snow also. Some airports, obviously, the big one of the very, very, very major benefits to general aviation is the small airports and small cities that, that we can fly our airplanes to for business or right. pleasure purposes. And, and, uh, but some of those places may not be plowed very well or plowed in a manner that could cause some real issues.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think some of those places, uh, you know, here we are at the Kansas City downtown airport and obviously we got our own aviation department. As soon as it snows, those trucks are out there and, you know, right, it's rarely, right. rarely an issue even town. around the hangars. Right. You know, I'll, I keep a shovel. There probably like you do at your hangar. So in case I got a, you know, you open the door and there's a ledge there or, or a, you know a bunch of snow that's piled up, I can get rid of it. But I think some of these little towns, I, I can only imagine that it's probably their roads department's out there clearing it, and and that's probably the last on their list. Yes. Yeah. So you you know you might lose some days uh, of availability.
0: And there may not be and that brings up a good thought. There may not be a notam out there mm. that. So if you if you're coming from a southern climate and thinking about flying to a uh, remote airport in Nebraska, or Kansas, or Missouri, wherever Iowa uh, you may want to try to get a hold of somebody about the condition of the airport before you leave your home base because it's the reality of it is if there's been a big snow it may take a couple of days to get the airport cleared. Yeah.
1: Todd, I think, uh, tell me tell me if you agree or disagree, but I think one of the things that a lot of GA guys overlook, or, or maybe, again, don't pay enough attention to, is frost on their airplane. You know, because right. you get you get mornings where, uh, well, you can remember, it was it last year we were all trying to go somewhere, and we pulled the airplane out, and boom, as soon as it got out in that yep. air, whoosh, the whole booger frosted up, so we towed it over to get some uh, sunlight on it. But I've seen a lot of folks taxi out and, and take off, you know, and they're almost doing the peephole driving, uh, you know, people doing their cars uh, you know, through the windscreen. Yes. And they've got frost on their, um, you know, they've got frost on their wings. And, you know, from from our backgrounds, that's a huge no-no.
0: That's exactly right. And uh, it is a point that is well worth mentioning because conditions can change by just from the change of pulling the airplane, the airplane was hangered, Now it's out in the air, and just like that, you've got an issue. So what do you what do you do? You pretty much wait, or yeah. or I mean, unless you have got a way to get that frost off there, which I don't really know of a good way. You know, you can't really pour if you pour some water on; it's gonna freeze. So
1: right, right, um, yeah. I I found personally that if I if I know that it's a a um, an active frost morning. and it's possible, and I know I'm going to be leaving or or plan to leave, you know, I'll get everything on the airplane done the night before so that when I pull that booger out, I'm ready to crank it up. As soon as I can get airflow over the airplane, there's not going to be any frost on it. Uh, Now, you might have issues with the wingtips and that kind of stuff, and that's still a concern. But if you can get air flowing, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to frost.
0: So, and that brings up that point again. we, We alluded to it earlier with snow banks, taxiing, you know, you get in a hurry because you're worried about frost accumulating or things yeah. of that nature, and now you you don't realize it or don't think about it because it's not ever there any other time, but the one time a year when it snowed 12 inches at your airport, now they got a pile of snow just off a taxiway somewhere, so... Uh, and I,
1: how many airplanes have we sold over the years that had a dinged yes. wing or a nose gear collapse because they they didn't account for the torque on takeoff roll and it yep. shot them right over into that snowbank? Yeah, and I mean I I mean I can't even begin to think how many we've seen over the years that that's happened.
0: Oh, that's crazy. You see, that's why it's a topic worth talking about. You know, if this if this makes you think, and it even helps us to talk about this stuff. It, if it makes you think about. That kind of a, uh, uh, know, how do I want to say it? Just the safety aspects, but it would be a slowing down and doing things well. Then I think it's worth discussing this, having this discussion that we're having because it's it, winter time. Almost always, it's better to slow down. That's what they teach us at the airline. You know, slow down. Uh, obviously, taxi speeds uh, are definitely a factor. Mm-hmm. As is even worse case, what you just talked about, the the ability to have that torque just pull you right off the side of the the snow or ice covered runway, and boom, you're in the snowbank.
1: Yeah. Well, you you know you can have um, you can even have situations where idle power, your airplane will be moving. True. With your brakes on. True. You know, one of the, the most eye opening situations I ever had like that is, you know, I'm I'm taxing airliner into the gate in in Detroit and she ain't stopping, mm. and, uh, <laughs> you know, wasn't going very fast, and so uh, I was, you know, just just that close from killing the engines or, or put them into reverse and get them, you know, because there, there was just, and killing was probably the better option because reverse might have even made it even worse, you know, but fortunately, just right before, uh, you know, I got the X from the marshaler, Caught a little concrete and came to a stop, and,
0: and then we, then we well, killed it quick. Well, it's funny you say that. It reminded me of a story. I was, a, I was an Embraer 145 captain when I was furloughed, and, and so I did this at a program. You go be a captain on the regional jet. So uh, I was I landed up in uh, Ottawa, Canada, and a taxi did. It was night. I mean, super, super slow. The only the only things that were open were the runways. I mean, had to, I landed on one runway, had to turn around, taxi back, go to the crossing runway, taxi on it, and eventually into the ramp because there were just limited right. ways to get in because uh, they'd had a, quite a bit of weather there. And I noticed taxiing. There was an Air Canada Airbus sitting in kind of an odd spot on a taxiway out in a remote somewhat area. And I, well, I never gave it another thought. I, I just saw it. Taxied in all the way into the gate, going about half a mile an hour, all the way in, pulled up to the gate, got stopped, like you're talking about, shut down happily. Ooh, that was good. And then the ground crew guy comes up after we deplaned all the passengers and said, well, you're the first airplane we didn't have to tow into the gate all day. Nobody told nobody me. Said nobody anything. said anything. Yeah, thanks said for letting word. me know. Oh, by the way, Air Canada had an airplane do a 360 or a 180 <laughs> or something out there in the ramp. Oh, is that right? That was the airplane we'd seen. Like, ah, uh, seriously. And, and so, and no word from dispatch. Welcome yeah. to the regional airlines. But anyway, uh, uh, no word from dispatch and nothing that uh, gave me a real heads up as to how challenging the conditions had been all day. But again, we slowed way, way, way down and did it, it safely. Did it, but so yeah, you
1: know. Yeah, but, I think one of the things that I, I get most concerned about with uh, with general aviation operators, not just with ice, but but you know weather and, and you know weight and balance, is they what, what's the term? Uh, somebody told me the other day, maybe it was you. They they get it happens one time, and it, and it works out for them. And so they get a little numb to it. They get a little they get a little brave. You know, they get a little, well, I can I can do that again. Uh, you know, and then they do it again. I mean, uh, walked over here to the GA terminal last year, was it? Uh, this guy in this A thirty six comes taxiing, and I mean this thing is dripping with ice. Just mm-hmm. at, you know, and and he was, you know, you could tell he was somewhat concerned, but man, he to, to me, he did not show anywhere near the concern that he needed, you know, it was not a de-iced airplane. Um, you know, that stuff adds tons of weight. You don't have the excess thrust. You don't have the excess lift. You don't have the capability in an airplane like that to handle that.
0: Well, and weight is is maybe even not even their most major problem. As what you don't know. You've become a test pilot. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no. You don't. Know That's how, a good
1: way to put it. You don't know
0: how that airflow over that wing is. You don't know what the stall speed is now. You're may as well be a test pilot. Good luck, Chuck.
1: Yep. Uh, that is a good way to put it.
0: So, yes, yeah, if you're which which brings us. Probably to another good point, avoiding icing conditions uh, in flight. And then we can talk about de-iced and anti-iced airplanes. But, you know, as far as avoidance, I think that, that we all know uh, getting a good pie wrap or getting a good weather briefing is a start to that. But even so, it still happens that people run into uh, yeah. icing inadvertently. So... And especially at the lower altitudes. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where
1: general aviation is going to run into. That's where everybody runs into it. Right. You're you running into it at the lower altitudes, and you, and you're becoming you're becoming numb to the idea that oh okay I can do that. It's at the lower altitudes. What you're not realizing is the professionals that are flying higher, they want in and out of that stuff as quickly as they can. Yes. And they've got good. D or anti-icing systems. I mean, very robust. They can handle it, but even they don't want to be in it. No. And so uh, the last thing they're going to do is cruise in it for any longer than they absolutely have to. Uh, and so when you're a GA guy tooling around, you got to be aware of that. Uh, you know, of your limited ability uh, by you know from your airplane.
0: Yeah. The moment you're in it, the moment you see it starting to accumulate, it's time to move. In my opinion. Yeah. The challenge can be in the in the uh, airport environment. Because now you're getting vectored around by approach, and they're limited by their, you know, there's only a uh, two or 3,000 foot maybe altitude availability uh, that you can, you know, and so you can get stuck in it for a period of time. That's usually how it's going to happen, in my opinion. One of the strongest possibilities of really being unable to, to get out of it. So I don't necessarily have any great advice there other than just to tell approach. I can't do it. I right. got to move.
1: And I'm sure you, in your career, you've seen you've been around a long, long, long time, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you've seen a lot of you've seen a lot of ice accumulate on an airplane.
0: Oh yeah, I've seen it seen it on the airliners accumulate. You know, used to be on the on the Douglas product, you'd watch it build up, as you well know, as a former Mad Dog pilot, uh, watching that ice accumulate on the on the windshield wiper. Oh, man.
1: I had one, one time that came in the size of a softball. Yeah,
0: I believe it. I've seen that too. DC nine, you know, flying to St. Louis. I can remember that very, very clearly. Amazing. Yeah. And and we got all that, like you said, all that ability to shed the ice one way or another, prevent the ice. And, and we don't want to be there in spite of that,
1: man. Yeah, no way. And, you know, and you're not, as a GA guy, you're also not. Uh, you don't have the luxury, or maybe it's uh, resources or finances for that matter, to go out and get deiced, you know, prior to departure. Right. You know, so uh, where where the airlines uh, have that ability, you know, you're you're, you're going through sometimes a two step process to keep yourself safe once you do get airborne into that. Frankly,
0: crisis. you're just going to tell your passengers or or whomever you work if you're if you help if you're carrying passengers in as part of your, uh, whether it's for pleasure or business, uh, you know, Hey, we're going to have to wait. Uh, yeah. It's it, probably more thunderstorms in the, in the summer and warmer months, the reason, and obviously icing conditions in the winter. Two well, you and
1: ago. I were just talking about this a little bit ago, cause I'm doing an angel flight on Sunday. All right. We've already moved it one day and now I'm looking at the forecast and, you know, two days away, uh, Sunday showing, um, 43% chance of rain. The high for the day is going to be 39 degrees, I think. Uh, you know, the ceilings are going to be a 1,000 feet. So, um, you know, um, we get done here. One of my first things to do today is call the other pilots and say, I think we need to, you know, we're going to have to move this because uh, I'm not going to go flying in that crap. Right. So...
0: Yeah, it's just good good decision making, and that's from years and years of experience and thinking about it.
1: Uh, sometimes experience comes from bad decisions, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, let's briefly touch on on boots uh, because that's the most common general aviation. Well, I suppose arguably Pito heat's the most common general, <laughs> next to Pito yeah, heat, yeah. Uh, but the most common uh, general aviation de icing. And believe me, I am not a any bit of a of a person to be talking about uh, boots for how to the best way to operate. I've read the stuff, but but i would I would say that if you have that capability in in your airplane and you haven't you've just recently let's say you just recently bought a uh, mirage or something, and uh, and you live down south, you've never really flown it up north. You know, you may want to get some instruction, in my opinion, mm-hmm. on how to really use that so you're comfortable. Yeah, I don't right. think the first time to figure it out is when you're in moderate icing and can't right. get out of
1: it. Well, and it's one of those situations where, and I, I'm going to disagree with you here a little bit, okay? Because uh, I think now, uh, especially you know, since Sears started putting on TKS back, uh, you know, when it was 04 mm-hmm. ish, somewhere in there, the uh, you know, TKS is is become a super popular product, but True. it still has its own training regimen, right? True. And uh, but you know, Piper's still using the boots on the M class stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of others are too. But the if you're if you're uh, counting on that to work the first time you go out there, but that's the first time you've turned it on, that's a bad move, right? You know, cause,
0: right. Uh, and with TKS, you got to. You got to have it serviced. You got to make sure you know. Yeah. So there's some.
1: Yeah, those pores will become clogged. You know, yeah. the ice boots won't won't inflate. You have a bad
0: vacuum pump. I mean, who knows? Right. There's a there's a lot of stuff to consider. Now, the last part of this that uh, crosses my mind and may not be something that people think about uh, in winter operations, but you can really, really, really get yourself hurt on the ramp by falling down. Yeah. I mean, I know, Chris, I, I walk with you, you fall down a lot. <laughs> no, that, uh, I, like I, and I can't yeah. get up. <laughs> I, just, I just have this terrible thought, to be really honest, of stepping off a wing and losing my yeah. footing and falling hard, you know, hitting my head on the, on the wing, on the ground. I mean, it's just a, that is like a, uh, a I, 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 weird fear of mine. And uh, so think about not only yourself, but your passengers, you know, and the, the ramp can be a very dangerous spot.
1: Yeah, yeah it can. What if you're around place where they have been using de-icing fluid? My gosh, that yes. stuff's slick, slick, slick. And, it is. You know, I, I have fallen or at least caught myself falling, uh, yep. especially, you know, and it's just like on the highway. If you're on a painted area that's yeah. wet, you know, that paint is going to be super slick. People don't think about that.
0: Yeah, that's true, and and uh, I mean, I think that uh, I think we've covered a lot of the thoughts we have about winter operations. You got anything else you'd like to add, or I mean, no,
1: I mean, we mean, could go on and on, but I, you know, yeah. it's just been a good little fun discussion, and um, you know. Again, we're we're always game to hear from uh, what you have to say, and, and throw it out on our Facebook page, and you know even though even though our primary business here is uh, the buying of and selling of uh, you know essentially airplanes that you will be proud to own. Um it is, uh, it's fun for us to talk about some of these other topics uh, with, you know, the older we get, we don't like to look in the mirror and say, gosh, I can't, there's no way I can be that old. But with that, that age comes experience, and, and we just enjoy sharing that.
0: Oh, no, it's a fact. It is. We're passionate about aviation, and, and honestly, it's I tell guys all the time, as hokey as it sounds, that's, that is a big part of the reason why I do this. I just like, I like airplanes. I like talking about aviation. So,
1: yeah, that's why good, we do Good this. group of people that we work with and
0: it's fun. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, good. Let's, uh, let's sign off for today. And until the next time, I invite you to check us out on, uh, on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, visit our website at flywildblue.com. And I want to thank you all very much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.